So you all ready for the big event? Yeah. <laughs> I hear a lot of kids who are ready. That's good. That's good. What are the rest of you? You ready? You excited? It's a big deal. I hope you're excited. Uh, you should be excited because it's a very big deal. Uh, and, and more than that, I mean, I hope you're going, right? You got your tickets? You're going? You got your tickets? You guys act like you're not going. You don't have tickets? Man, I, I got a source. I can hook you up with tickets. You want to go? I got tickets for you. You need a ticket and I, I can hook you up with tickets. I totally, I'm serious. I've got a, look, look right here. I got the tickets right here. Now uh, we'll talk about this in a minute. Um, let's talk about this for a second. John three sixteen. Uh, this, uh, this passage of scripture has written, risen to iconic status in our culture. Um, you do see it on people's faces, uniforms, headbands, uh, on signs, uh, in the game, outside of the game. Uh, and maybe you're someone who's always wondered, what on earth does that mean? It looks like a guy's name with only part of his phone number or something. Um, or you've wondered, like, what does that mean? Uh, well, it's a, it's a passage of scripture, and it's a passage of scripture that a lot of Christians know. I think that if you don't know any other scripture passages, any other Bible verses, um, by heart, chances are you know this one. If you know any, you know this one. And, and let, let's, let's actually test this real quick. I'll, I'll start saying it. I know there are different translations. But if you know it, join with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I tripped you up on the only begotten because I'm old school and that's how I learned it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a verse that a lot of us know. Now, now uh, what's, what's important about this verse for us, the reason it's written to, risen to iconic status is that it points to Jesus as the way, the way to life forever, the way to eternity, as our, our ticket to heaven. That's kind of how we think about it sometimes. And that pairs very well with our promise for this weekend, this promise you will live forever. I think it's such an important promise. Um, I think it's part of the reason, maybe the biggest reason that people even investigate faith or religion or God to begin with is, is uh, we, we want to believe that there's something beyond this life. We want to believe that when this life is over, there might be more than this, that this just doesn't seem like it's enough. I think there's this, uh, it says in Ecclesiastes that God has put eternity in the hearts of men. And so I think internally there's this, this knowledge, like, man, there's got to be something more. And so this quest for a life after this, a life forever, is, uh, is just kind of drives so many people to even investigate uh, different faith things. And that's why so many people cling to faith. And, and the Christian worldview teaches that you can have life forever. And, and we teach that it's through Jesus. That's, that's your only way to life forever. But here's what I also know. That although some of us may know John 3.16 by heart and some of us have no idea what it means, um, here's what I know, that most of us have no idea the context through which this verse comes to us, through, these, through which these words are spoken. I, I'm not even sure that we're always clear, um, and I'll talk about this later, about who said these words in John 3.16. And it seems to me that for such important words, words that we put on signs and banners and we write on our faces and we, you know, we tout here and there, it seems to me that we should at least understand why these words are spoken and what they really mean in Context. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to jump in to look at context of John 3. So if you've got a, a phone or a, an app, a smartphone or an iPad or something, go ahead and open up the Bible app from version if you have that. Uh, to John chapter 3, we're going to need that later. So if you have it, you don't have to download it. But if you have it, open that up. Or you can open up your own Bible to John chapter 3 or here in the room, page 1064. The words will be right here. We're going into context on where this John 3.16 thing comes from. 
It says, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Cue the bad guy music right now. You guys got any? Uh, you know, Because he's a Pharisee. He's a member of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council. These are the guys who are making trouble for Jesus all day long. Because they're the authorities and Jesus is challenging their authority. And, uh, you know, the power brokers are the ones who get most threatened when someone comes with revolutionary ideas. And so uh, this Pharisee, Nicodemus, he's kind of among the bad guys. He comes looking for Jesus at night, it says, verse 2. And he asks him a question, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. No one can see the kingdom of God. Now I think for most of us, if we've read this before, most of us imagine in our minds, we kind of reworked this whole thing, to imagine that what Nicodemus comes asking Jesus is, Jesus, how do I get to heaven when I die? That's kind of the scenario that we've cooked up in our mind. How do I get to heaven when I die? And yet that's not Nicodemus' question at all, is it? His question is, Jesus, who are you? Because we can see that God is with you. We can see that you're doing things that no man could do. Clearly, God is with you. Help me understand who you are. It's not a question about how do I get to heaven. It's a question about identity. Jesus, Jesus, who are you? And yet when we read these words from John 3 already, we tend to think that uh, Nicodemus is coming and saying, Jesus, how do, I, how, do I, how do I get life after death? How do I get to heaven when I die? And so when Jesus says these words, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again, we tend to hear that as Jesus saying, hey, Nicodemus, you don't get to see heaven. You're not going to get through the pearly gates, past security, past the ticket takers. You're not going to be able to see the inside of that thing unless you're born again. But, but again, we're talking about context today, and that's not the context. That's not the context of this conversation. See, for starters, when we see kingdom of God, we think of something very different than what Jesus intended or what Nicodemus would have heard him talking about. Uh, the kingdom of God, we tend to think of it as a place we're eventually going to go to hang out. But if you want to do your faith and your, your uh, study a favor, like when you're reading through the New Testament, if you want to understand the work of Jesus and his ministry and the things that he talks about, if you want to do yourself a huge favor, begin to understand what this phrase, the kingdom of God, or Matthew calls it the kingdom of heaven. Begin to understand, dig into what that really means, because it's not a place to hang out. It's, it's a way of living. It's a new perspective. It's, it's where the reign and rule of God is present. It's, it's when God's ways are happening according to God's plans. It's a new way of thinking and acting and living and interacting. That's what the kingdom of God is. So, so this isn't about how do I get to heaven someday. This is about the kingdom of God, the reign and rule of God, a new way of thinking and acting and living. And again, Nicodemus' question isn't how do I get to heaven when I die? It's, it's Jesus, who are you? Because we can see that God is with you. And we need more understanding of who you are. And Jesus begins to answer him with this kingdom of God stuff and talks about being born again. And and Nicodemus ends up all confused. And here's what he says next. He says, okay, wait a minute. How can someone be born? He's talking about being born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water 
and the Spirit. So it went from seeing the kingdom of God to now entering the kingdom of God. And again, where do our minds go? Entering the kingdom of God? Well, that means when I die and go to heaven. That's when I enter the kingdom of God, when I die and go to heaven. And yet, do you kind of sense that in this conversation, that's not what they're talking about? They seem to be talking about something in the here and now. Nicodemus is saying, I see something about you. Help me understand it. Jesus says, you can't even see this stuff unless you've been born again. And, uh, and, and then, you know, if you're, if you're born of water and spirit, you can't enter the, uh, enter the kingdom of God. It doesn't seem like they're talking about some distant reality. It seems like they're very much talking about something in the here and now. Which I think is different than how most of us hear this or understand this. And then Jesus, you know, introduces this phrase, you must be born again. How many of you have heard that before? Yeah, I remember sometime, uh, one time someone asked me, you know, how do you know you're going to go to heaven? And I said, well, because I raised a Christian, I believe in Jesus, I trust him. They said, ah, but have you ever been born again? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what that means. Anyone else have that experience? Uh, Some traditions talk about a lot, some don't at all. I'm just like, I I don't know what that means. Uh, Here, Jesus tells us what it means. Says you can't see the kingdom unless you're born again. You can't enter the kingdom unless you are born of water and spirit. Which sounds like baptism to me. When you're baptized into Christ's death and resurrection through water and the power of the Holy Spirit. See, see that's when you enter. That's when you're born again. That's when you enter the kingdom of heaven. So, so what does that mean then? If at my baptism I'm entering the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Then when does eternal life start? See, see, that's the question for us. When does it actually begin? Is it something that's off in the future or, or, or can I experience it sooner? And here's what Jesus says. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven. This is important. Uh, and then he says, the son of man. This is the one who's gone into heaven and has come from heaven, the son of man. And that's a title he uses to refer to himself. It's a messianic title. And then he says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, and he's talking about an Old Testament thing we're not going to get into today, uh, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. He must be exalted. But Jesus kind of has a double meaning here. He's not just going to be exalted, enthroned. He's going to be crucified. That's how he's going to be lifted up. So in the same way, the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And then here's the verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, I learn things all the time, but this week I learned something new about the Bible. Um, in fact, this is where if you've got your version app opened, I want you to look at it for a second. Specifically, if you're maybe looking NIV. Or if you have a Bible that is a red letter edition of the Bible. They're Bibles that have all of Jesus' words in red. Uh, our pew Bibles here in the seats, they don't have those. Um, but if you've got a Bible like that, I encourage you to look at John 3 real quick. Look at John 3. I'll give you a second to go there. And I want you to look at John 3, verse 15. And if you're looking at U version, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're looking at U version, or if you have a red letter edition of the Bible, I want you to look at John 3, 15. And if those words are in red, meaning they are the words of Jesus, I want you to raise your hand if you see red letters. Okay, if, keep your hands up. Okay, there are a good number of you who are looking. The rest of you are like, I ain't got no time for that, um, which is fine. Uh, but keep your hands up. So John 3.15, letters in red. Now, keep your hands up. Now, if, if John 3.16 is also in red, keep your hand up. If not, put your hand down if John 3.16 is no longer in red. 
Right? There's some people who put their hands down and some people who have their hands up. What's that about? You can all put your hands down. See, I had this very experience Tuesday morning. I'm sitting here in my message study. We get together early in the morning and we, we study the text for the week and we begin to talk about um, all these things. And I'm looking and I'm like, John 3.15 is in red in my YouVersion app. And I know how it is in my Bible, but in John, uh, John 3.16 in YouVersion, in the new NIV, is not in red. And I called that out to the guys. I'm like, hey, what's, what's going on here? This isn't, this isn't in red. This is like a mistake. The quote ends. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. See, new scholarship thinks that John, uh, who interjects commentary all throughout his gospel, like there are moments that he pauses and he says, this is really important. Make sure you don't miss this. And he'll, he'll tell us about something. They said, no, no, uh, new scholarship actually thinks that John 3.16 are not the words of Jesus. They're the words of John. And I'll tell you, like, like a bomb went off in my mind. I'm like, what? Because this was one of the earliest Bible verses I ever learned. And I always learned these words as coming from Jesus. And now someone's like, man, they're actually, they're actually John's words. And I kind of got upset for a minute. I just checked out of the conversation, pretended I was listening, you know, uh-huh, uh-huh. Like when you're talking to your spouse, uh-huh, uh-huh, not, yeah. Uh, doing that thing. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm doing that thing. And in meantime, I'm going, what, what on earth? What does this change for me? And I'm looking in my text. And, and here's the thing. In the ancient Greek text, this text, this is why you don't know. In the ancient Greek text, there aren't exactly quotation marks the way we understand them, and there aren't line breaks. In fact, they cram everything together to save space. So sometimes it's a little difficult to know where, where a quote ends in particular. And since I wasn't there to hear the conversation to know what Jesus actually said, um, here's, here's what I wrestled with, that um, it doesn't really matter. Look at John three fourteen and 15. It says, Jesus is speaking here, and he says, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes... Everyone who believes in the Son of Man, everyone who believes in me, Jesus is saying, may have eternal life in him. And then John 3, 16, the next verse says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Do you see they're saying the same thing? And that's why they think that maybe John said these words, not Jesus, that John is pausing and saying, he just said something really important. Let me put an exclamation point on, you, on it, but, but it doesn't really matter, does it? Because Jesus said it, and then if this is John, then John said it. They said it twice in a row. The only thing I think should be different is that if people are going to put John 3.16, maybe they should consider John 3.14 and 15, although I know that's not quite as catchy as John 3.16. Uh, but, but here's the point. They're saying the same thing. This is an important point. It's, it's said twice, that whoever believes in Jesus won't die, but they will live forever. But the question for us today is, okay, when does that life begin? And I think there are two prevailing views on this thing. When we think about life, especially eternal life, uh, we tend to think about it like, like this. Look at the top one first. Uh, here on the y-axis, we have QOL, quality of life. The higher it goes, the better life is. The lower it goes, the more difficult life is. Uh, and then over here, we have time. So as this goes to the right, time goes forward. See, I think this is how most of us, even those of us who are Christians, I think this is how most of us view life. We view life as a series of ups and downs, and life is up and down, right? Absolutely. Um, but we view life as a series of ups and downs, and we assume that the point of this life is somewhere within these ups and downs that I, depending on your tradition, make a decision or pray a prayer or am baptized or am confirmed or am born again, however you term it. But at some point in these ups and downs of life, the, the point is that somewhere in there, I get my ticket. 
I believe in Jesus. I profess him. However my tradition says I should do it. I get my ticket somewhere in this thing. I put it away for safekeeping, you know, put it in my back pocket, put it in the safe, lock it up. I, I live through the ups and downs of this life. I die. And if I have my ticket, if I've gotten my ticket somewhere in here, I die. And then I go on to this new life eternal life, life forever. I get access to heaven where it's way better than anything I've ever experienced here and it goes on forever, right? Sound familiar? I think it's how a lot of us view our life. And if, if this is true, then understand what we're saying. We're saying that what happens here, it doesn't really matter much, does it? The only purpose of, of life here is at some point to get your ticket so that you can go and experience this new life here. And I think the reason so many of us, even people who are raised in the church, get to the point where we're like, you know, I don't need to go to church anymore. I don't need to do that stuff anymore. It's because we assume, well, hey, I already got the ticket. I believe in Jesus. I was, I was baptized. I was confirmed. Whatever it is, I, I don't need to do that stuff anymore because we believe that, hey, I got my ticket. I'm fine. I'm going to ride it out. I, I got, I'll, keep, I'll, keep, I'll keep the ticket safe and then I'll go on and I'll get to heaven. So, so what's the point? What's the point? See, I think the point is that we view life incorrectly, that Jesus talks about life in a different way. Look at this bottom thing uh, with me for a second. See, the main difference between the top and the bottom is that this this line of life isn't broken. It's not two different lines. It's a continuous line. And so here you also experience the ups and downs, this uh, side of of life um, before death. You experience the ups and downs. But what's different about this is that at the moment, at some place in life where, where you meet Jesus, where you enter the kingdom of God, where eternal life becomes yours, life begins to change for you. It begins to get a little richer. And there's still ups and downs and there are bumps along the way, but it begins to get richer. And then that same life goes on forever. And, and even in eternity, it, it maybe goes up and to the right. And you see, if this is true, if this is actually the model for life, then you know what that means? That means that the things that we usually think of as heaven things, things that happen after death, that those things can begin to make life richer in the here and now. See, if it's not two different lines, two different lives, but it's one in the same, then that means that, that heaven is here now. Not perfectly, but, but it's breaking in. That the kingdom of God is, is here now. That Jesus is here now. And notice what Jesus says in John three thirteen. He says, no one has ever gone into heaven. That's our question. How do I get to heaven? How do I get to heaven? And he says, no one's ever gone into heaven except the one who came from it, the son of man. Do you hear what he's saying? Saying, quit being preoccupied about getting into heaven. Instead, heaven has come down. The Son of Man has come down from heaven for you. See, heaven and all the things that we often associate as eternal life, they have broken in, in the here and now. They're they're ours for the taking. And so what this means for us, if this is true, it means that even here before death, I can begin to experience eternal life. That the kingdom of God that will come in full someday, and I'll experience it in full, is also mine to step into, to enter into, in the here and now. But you know what this also might mean for us? And it's something I'm just wrestling with. You need to wrestle with this on your own and study it and, and pray about it. But, but, but here's what I also wrestle with. If this is true, if this is true, then you know what else should be true? 
that what I do here with this part of my life, because it's not two lives, it's one life, it's continuous, what I do with my life here before death might also have the power to make my eternity richer. I know this is kind of weird, but just hang with me. I want you to imagine for a second that uh, you've been invited to a a huge party, like the party of a lifetime, and at this party, they're going to feature world-class seafood. Now, I'm not talking about the Mississippi River variety of seafood. Uh, I'm talking about world-class stuff, the best stuff on the planet. And also, um, at the end of the night, it's going to break out into a, a, a just huge dance fest of salsa dancing. Okay? That's what, that's what this party is going to be like. Now, some of you right now, you're like, seafood, I'm in. And some of you are like, seafood, yeah. But here's what I know. Pretty much universally, everyone in the room is going, salsa dancing? I mean, salsa eating, I'm game. I'm in. But salsa dancing, I, I'm not sure about that. But, but that's, that's what the party is. So uh, if you've been invited to this party and it's coming in the future, you have, a, you have an opportunity. You have a choice. And the choice is... Am I going to spend my time trying out some different seafood, maybe some weird stuff that I've never tried before, so that when I get there and I, I, I can eat the good stuff, I'm not so freaked out or squeamish. I've learned to develop a, a bit of a taste for it. And, uh, and, and I have a choice. Can I use my next few, however many time I have before I get there to the party, to maybe take some salsa dance lesson, dancing lessons or at least watch a YouTube video or two or something so that, so that when that part of the night comes, I can engage and I can have fun See, I have a choice. I can do that. I can use my time to prepare for the party. Or I can just walk in cold. And if it's seafood and salsa dancing, I'll do my best. And it'll still probably be a great time because it's the party of a lifetime. But maybe it won't be all that it could be. Or think about this. Um, Just pretend that today I walked up to you and I gave you two tickets for the Super Bowl today. And I also told you I have arranged for you to fly there on a private jet. All the way up to the tundra. Minnesota. Now, for some of you, that would be a dream come true. You love football. You'd you'd be out of your mind. And for some of you, I mean, you like football. And you could probably tell the difference between a football and a basketball. If you could, like, phone a friend, they could help you. You know, you could figure that out. You you like football, and you like the Super Bowl, and you'll probably watch it, but it's not your favorite thing. Now, again, you you would have a choice. In the next few hours, you could choose to to learn football, to learn what a touchdown is, how many points you get for it. You'd be able to learn about the teams, about about the Eagles and the Patriots. I'll tell you, the only thing you need to know about the Patriots is that they cheat, okay? Um, That's the only thing you need to know about the Patriots. So I just helped you there. But you could could learn the rest. You could learn the players. You could spend time learning the game so that when you're sitting there, it's an amazing experience. Or you could decide, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to walk in cold. And uh, if I enjoy it, I enjoy it. But I'm sure I'll love the halftime show. That's going to be amazing. And and you're going to have a great time because it's the Super Bowl. It's a great experience. But you have a choice just how rich that experience could be. Or think about a concert. Uh, last September, my daughter Ellie, we got her, um, as a gradu- eighth grade graduation present, tickets to see Ed Sheeran. She loves Ed Sheeran. And, and then the concert got canceled, and he's coming back around this September. And so they're all excited about going. Um, now both my daughters are going to go. Uh, if, if I gave you tickets to Ed Sheeran, who's coming in September, and they're great seats. Uh, for some of you, automatically, you're like, yes, that would be, that would be a dream and, uh, and, and look at this guy. I mean, if this isn't dreamy, <laughs> I don't know what is. 
He's way too talented. I can't even make fun of him. Uh, he's such a, such a talented guy. Some of you love his music. You'd be like, yes, I want to be that close to that face to see him sing. And that would be a dream come true. Some of you are like, Ed Sheeran, I, don't, I have no idea who you're talking about. Uh, you could spend the next few months learning his music if you don't know him. And uh, learning more about him and learning lyrics to his song and learning his story. And I guarantee you'd make the concert better. Or you could walk in and I'm sure it's a great concert even if you don't know a song. I'm belaboring the point. Do you get it? See, if, if my life here and my life in the world to come are co- totally separate, then what I do with this life, it doesn't really matter. The only purpose, the only point of this life is to make sure that I get my ticket, I keep it safe, so that when I go into the next life, I can get in and I can experience all of that. But, but, if my life now and my life forever, if they're not different, if they're the same, if there's continuity, if, if the kingdom of God, if I can enter the kingdom of God today, if eternal life can begin for me today, then you know what's true? This is what's true, that what is to come can make my life richer now. That means I don't have to wait for heaven to access heaven's riches, at least in part. See, I don't think anyone sitting here today is saying, you know, I've got enough mercy in my life. I've got enough belonging. I have enough understanding in my life. There's enough compassion in my life. There's enough wisdom in my life. There's enough purpose in my life today. I'm good. I could just ride this out for the rest of my life. Right? We could all use more of that. And that's the promise of God, that, that the kingdom of God, which is all of those things and so much more, that can be ours today. And as we journey in a relationship with Jesus, we, we can take hold of more things that are of the kingdom and our thinking and our feeling and our acting will be transformed in the meantime. See, see if, if they're separate, then it doesn't really matter. But, but if they're one, if this life that Jesus talks about is continuous, then what is to come, what's, what's in the future, can actually break into my existence in the here and now and the ups and downs. And it can make my life richer. So I tell you, that's why I do what I do. If it was just about getting you people to heaven, preach a message, get your ticket... Hold on to it. I'm going to go retire early. Not only that, though, and I believe this is true. You study this. That uh, if it's true that I can enter the kingdom of God now, that eternal life is mine now, then what I do in the here and now can enrich my forever. See, see I can use this life then. And, and read the scriptures. I, I think you'll see this is true. I can use my life now to begin to love Jesus, and to begin to love the things of Jesus, to develop my appetites around the things that he stands for, the things that he loves. I can use my life in the here and now to begin to, to develop a taste, an appetite for the sights and the smells and the, and the experiences of the kingdom so that those things become my heart desire so that when I step into the kingdom in full, not just in part, but when I'm brought in in full, I'm finding my heart's desire. I find myself truly in heaven. Or I can just, you know, show up after living this life. I can just show up. And if it's seafood and salsa dancing, that may not be my thing, but I'm sure it's going to be great and I'll experience it. You see, this promise today, you will live forever. I don't think we understand this promise. We don't understand what forever means. We don't understand what live means. And so what happens is we settle. 
See, is it true that Jesus came to save you from death? Yes. Did he come to save you from your sins? Yes. Did he come to, to seal you from, or steal you away from the, from the evil one and damnation? Yes, all of that's true, but he came to do more than that. He also came to save you from an empty, meaningless, cold, lonely, purposeless life. And he came not just to be your ticket to heaven, he came to be your guide to, to discover what real life, real living is. Not just someday, but, but he came to show you what it's like now, in the here and now. And that's why in the very next chapter, John chapter 4, Jesus is talking to this woman, this, this Samaritan woman. She's a foreigner and she has been looking, she has been looking for that thing in life. You know the thing in life that we all look for, that thing that we're just hoping will fill our souls and give our life meaning. And she's been looking for it in, in men, in relationship after relationship. She's been married and she has these serial relationships. And she's the kind of person that no one wants to associate with because she's a scandalous woman. And Jesus is sitting there and he's talking to her and they're at a well. And he uses that well as, as, a, as an object lesson. And here's what he says to her. He says, whoever drinks the water I give them, not the water in the well, but the water I give them, will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. See, I think so many of us read this and, and, and here's the question. Jesus is giving us water and we kind of treat it as that like in case of, of emergency break glass kind of water. Like when I'm on my deathbed, I'll take a drink and I'll, I'll get into eternal life. I've got my ticket in hand. See, the question for us today is if, if Jesus is willing to give us water and drinking this water, uh, this water will well up in us into a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The question is, when are you going to take your drink? When are you going to start drinking this water? Are you going to wait for some point in the future when you're near death? Or do you think Jesus means for you to begin drinking of this life? today. John 20, right near the end of this gospel, John says, another one of these places where he breaks in and he says, don't miss this. He says, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, that you may trust in him and that by believing you may have life in his name. The question for us today is how long are we going to wait to begin living if by believing in Jesus, we may have life. That's the whole point and the purpose. How long are you going to wait to begin living? Pray with me. Jesus, open our eyes so that we may see your kingdom. That we may see what it's about, what you're about. That we may develop our appetites around those things. That we may learn to love those things, Jesus. Jesus, give us the courage to enter your kingdom, even in the here and now, to begin to live differently, to push back on what the world says is, is living and, and to listen to you, to let you be our guide into a way of living that is truly life in the here and now. Jesus, through believing in you, by being reborn of water and spirit through baptism, by virtue of our baptisms, lead us into life, not just when we die, but starting today and put in us a spring of life that begins welling up today that is so powerful and rich that even death can't stop it, that it might go on forever. That's my prayer for us, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to give you a moment now. Since we've been talking about settling, 
I'm going to give you a moment just to pause and reflect about how you settle in your life for less than what God wants for you. And we all do this. We, we trade in temporary gratification or a sure thing in the here and now. Um, we, we get so short-sighted and we settle for things that are less than the promises of God, the, the things that God wants to give us. And I do that, you do that. Let's just be honest about that. And let's be honest about that before God. So take a minute and just confess, admit to God how in your living, in your decisions, in your thinking, in your acting, in your relationships, you've settled. Talk to God about that. Go ahead and confess. Thank you.